Welcome back to Let's Be The Change podcast, the show that dives deep into the real reason why we still debate change. If you are new, thank you for joining us and I hope you like the show. In today's episode, we go further into detail about the murder of Jalen Walker. If you got a chance to listen to the most recent episode, you'd know that we were waiting for body cam footage along with audio recordings to be released to the public. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you pause this one and check out episode number two first. That way, when you come back to listen to this one, which is episode three, it will make more sense. So, let's not waste any more time. I'm your host, Sigarita, and you're listening to Let's Be The Change podcast. There are still a lot of unanswered questions about Jalen Walker's death. While the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigations is still ongoing, I can let you in on what we do know so far, though, especially after the release of the body cam footage. A news conference was held on Sunday, July 3rd at 1 p.m. in Akron, Ohio. During the conference, before the body cam footage was released, Akron Mayor Horrigan and Police Chief Milet said a few words, speaking directly to the reporters and those watching at home. Akron Mayor Horrigan began the press by saying that this is a somber occasion. He went on to add that he wishes to send his condolences to the Walker family. Towards the end of his speech, he added that the video we are all about to see, the one that the public is about to see, is very much heartbreaking and tough to take in. Ending his time up on stage by saying he has many questions of his own that he wants answers to as well. Next up to speak was Police Chief Milet. He went on to discuss the lack of knowledge when it comes to the exact number of shots fired at Jalen Walker. He did confirm, though, that the numbers going around in the media seems to be consistent with the ones they presume will come back from the BCI. Of course, the medical examiner and the BCI still need to confirm all of that after completing their investigation. After the police chief spoke, they displayed a few screenshots of the murder of J. Lind Walker. Then they played that dreadful video that no one was cheerful to watch, but knew that they had to in order to get some answers. I am going to play the audio version of the body cam footage for you guys to hear right now. Viewer discretion is advised. Please be aware that the video you're about to listen to can be triggering. Take care of yourself and please pause it or skip this section if it gets to be too much. We're heading towards Maine. Looks like we have some units up ahead at the intersection of Maine. He's slowing down here, slowing down. Wow. The video and even just listening to the audio is heavy on the heart. No matter who you are, seeing someone get murdered like that, the way that Jaylen did, is hard on the eyes. But 
I think it's important that we dissect this video and talk a little bit more about the questions that followed the release of the video. I am now going to play the clip of the interview that followed the release of the body cam footage. It's important that you guys, the listeners, are able to hear what the police chief was asked and how he responded. Before we receive BCI's final report, I would like to get some facts stated because I've seen a lot of, a lot of misinformation circulated. As you've already heard, there were eight officers who were directly involved in the shooting. All officers have been placed on paid administrative leave as per department policy and which is routine when officers are involved in a deadly force situation. That's, that's standard across the nation. We do not know the exact number of rounds that were fired. Again, this is something that BCI will discover in their examination of evidence. However, based on the video, I anticipate that number to be high. A lot of rounds were fired. And I will not be surprised if the number at the end of the investigation is consistent with the number that has been circulating in the media. But right now, we just don't know. While BCI needs to confirm the number, number of times Mr. Walker was shot, the ME's report indicates over 60 wounds to Mr. Walker's body. However, they are still working to determine entrance and exit wounds, and this investigation on their end will take time. It will take time to, for them to determine how many times Mr. Walker was actually shot. And that work to make that determination is the responsibility of the medical examiner. As you could see in the video, there was a gun recovered from Mr. Walker's vehicle. At the time of the shooting, he was unarmed. Lastly, after the shooting ends, Akron police officers went to Mr. Walker and diligently provided first aid to save his life. One officer on a body cam footage can be heard saying he still has a pulse. As the officers were getting ready to put him into a police car to get him as quickly as possible to the hospital, Akron Fire Medics arrived on scene, they took over aid, and unfortunately, Mr. Walker tragically passed at the scene. Okay, Lieutenant, I'm gonna turn it over to you. We're gonna start by allowing each media outlet present to ask at least one question. We ask that you speak loudly so that your voice can not only be heard in this room, but also as part of the live stream that we're providing for the community. Understand again, and it's already been stated by the chief, that there are some questions that they cannot answer or may not answer because of the independent nature of the investigation and also to preserve that, the uh, integrity of the investigation, some questions may not be answered for that reason. So at this time, I'll open up from quest for questions. I am gonna move intentionally to my left to right. We're gonna ask one question each, and then we're gonna move to the room from left to right. Okay, we'll open it up at this time. Anybody? Sir? Thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, question for the police chief. At this point in time, of Paul Sandoval at CNN, uh, based on what you've seen, Chief, and understanding the investigation is almost less than a year old, and after seeing this very exciting video, what is it to you, or for you, what is the most concerning thing 
in the footage that you've seen so far? It's the same thing that's most concerning to everybody else that just watched it. I'm going to say this. When an officer makes the most critical decision in his or her life as a police officer, it doesn't matter where in the country this happens, when they make that most critical decision to point their firearm at another human being and pull the trigger, they've got to be ready to explain why they did what they did. They need to be able to articulate what specific threats they were facing and that goes for every round that goes down the barrel of their gun. And they need to be held to account. Right now, as you pointed out, we're in the early stages of the investigation. The officers have not uh, been able to provide a statement yet. I am reserving any sort of judgment um, until we hear from them. Just last night, I spoke with the union president and he told me that the officers are fully cooperating with the investigation. Chief, I have a question. Hang, hang. Yeah. Go ahead. Chief, the attorney for the family, Bobby Pacello, says that he spoke with you and you told him and you told members of the legal team and members of the family that based on your viewing of the video that you had not seen evidence that Jalen Walker did anything threatening that precipitated the, the gunfire. Uh, your response to that? So when I, and I've watched this video more times than I, I cared to. Um, but I've watched it, it at least 40 times. When you see it in real time, it's very hard to distinguish what Mr. Walker is doing. Um, in the still photos, there's a picture that appears for, to, uh, to all of us that Mr. Walker is going down to his waist area. Um, there is a photograph that appears uh, Mr. Walker was turning towards the officer and there is a picture that captures a forward motion of his arm. At the crime scene, each after the officers were involved in the shooting, they immediately get sequestered from one another and they are monitored. When the investigative team arrives, they do an individual walkthrough of the crime scene. Each officer independent of each other, related that they felt that Mr. Walker had turned and was motioning and moving into a firing position. So again, BCI is going to do the investigation. I'm not prejudging it. Um, and I'll leave it there. Please. Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to understand a little better the, the gunshot from the car. Was, was there a bullet wound that so, so far, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. The other part is, um, was the gun found with the magazine removed in the car? Yes. The way in which that picture um, depicted where the gun was located, and the way in the manner in which it was placed, officers are approaching the car on their body worn camera, and it's capturing it in, in as they are approaching. Um, after the shot was fired, um, off, I'm sorry, after the shooting occurred, our, we went back to the scene where we believe the shot was fired. A casing was discovered at that location, consistent with the firearm that Mr. Walker had in his vehicle. BCI will determine whether or not that casing came from the gun or not. And again, independent of anything we did, 
The ODOT camera captures what we believe to be a muzzle flash coming out of the car. Again, BCI will be determining whether or not that, in fact, is the case. Right. Chief, um, as far as the chase goes, and, and wondering if this could have been avoided at all, could you talk at all about the protocol of the chase and, and the point of the gunshot being fired? Does that cancel any opportunity to call this chase off because of, of the, the gunshot? Thank you for that question. It's, it, it, it's a great question. So the initial attempt to uh, stop Mr. Walker, um, as you heard on the audio, was for an equipment violation and for a traffic violation. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the equipment violation was or what the traffic violation was. We will find that out, or BCI will discover that during their investigation. What was going to be a routine traffic stop, which would probably result either in a warning or a citation being issued turned into a pursuit. As Mr. Walker turned onto um, the entrance ramp to Route 8 and the shot is fired, that changes the nature of the contact. 40 seconds after the initiation of the traffic stop, a half a mile from the location of the traffic stop, you hear the gunshot and then everything else that I've just discovered. And again, that changes the whole nature of the traffic stop. It went from being a routine traffic stop to now a public safety issue. And then the pursuit continued. Yes. Chief, have the officers involved viewed any of the video before they made their statements? They have not given statements yet, to my knowledge. And again, that part of my answer is us walling ourselves off from the investigation, and that will be um, determined by uh, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation. Sir. Chief, uh, the initial officers on that uh, approach to the car deployed tasers. Can we read into that? Does that mean they didn't see it as a legal threat? What were they seeing that they chose to grab a taser versus uh, their firearm? I don't know. I'm not going to respond to that because it would be speculation. The officers will be given an opportunity to explain um, their actions. Sir. Yes, Chief, in uh, sort of 2012 in Cleveland, they had a uh, sort of famous incident where 137 shots were fired into a car of unarmed people after a chase, uh, and it received a lot of publicity. Uh, I'm curious if that incident, 137 shots into unarmed people which killed them in that incident, if that changed policies at all, either in the uh, Akron department or other departments around the country. So when that, when that shooting occurred, I wasn't here in Akron. Right. Um, I just got here last August. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to go back in memory. I, I can't recall exactly what we did as a profession following that. But I can tell you that we, we train in this police department. We go above and beyond in the police academy, the minimum required hours of training when it comes to firearms. Additionally, we go above and beyond the minimum requirement by the state for annual qualifications. Um, and so I, I really can't answer uh, fully that question. Yeah. This question kind of dovetails with that. 
Is there any kind of rubric or protocol when multiple officers are firing for how many rounds you fire when there's a single subject? So officers are trained to, when they, when they perceive a threat to themselves or to somebody else, that they will, they are authorized to use their firearm to stop the threat. And they are authorized to use their firearm, firearm until that threat no longer exists or it stops. Um, and that is, that is the standard. Uh, Chief, you mentioned several body cam uh, videos, but is there also dash cam footage? And does any video cover the moment of actually attempting to pull them over? So we don't have dash cameras in our fleet. No, sir. And does what, was your, what was your second question? Uh, does any video record the actual moment where they attempted to pull them over for the alleged traffic infraction? So again, everything that you saw right now um, is from body camera footage. We don't have dash cameras in it, and I'm not going to step into that part of the investigation. I will look to BCI to collect all that uh, evidence. Sir. Uh, you, you said you had. Uh, oh, hang on, hang on one second. No. Go ahead, sir. Chief, have you ever had a case before where someone left the wedding room behind? I'm not asking you to speculate on this case, but have you ever had that happen before? And if so, why? And the second is just. Your gut feeling when you saw this video, if it was as many as 90 shots as has been reported, and I know you can confirm that, did that strike you as excessive? Um, I will say this, that it was difficult to watch and shocking, just like it is for everybody. Um, I'm not passing judgment on the decisions my, in, my officers made. Uh, they will be given the opportunity to explain why they did what they did, as they should. In terms of your first question, I'm not going to speculate. Yes, I have seen that in uh, my 33 years as a police officer, um, but I'm not going to go any further than that. But Chief, you said that you had uh, questions yourself. What are they? What are your questions? So I will reserve those for our administrative investigation. Um, I'm not going to reveal those right now. Why? Why not? Because it would be improper. There is a, there's two separate uh, processes that need to be um, respected. One is the independent external criminal investigation. The other one is the internal investigation. Um, I will be getting with um, our officer, Office of Professional Standards and Accountability, our Internal Affairs Unit, and I will discuss those questions with them. Um, what is the, uh, the department's So number one, first and foremost, again, I, 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 I praise and I thank the Walker family for calling for peace. Um, we obviously, a, a, a focal message here today is just that. Uh, we have developed an operations plan uh, to manage and to provide safe space in this city for people to peacefully protest. Um, and in case that it turns uh, to a, a situation where it's no longer peaceful, we have an operations plan in place for that as well, and I'm not going to discuss any of the details with that. Anyone else on this side that I haven't already called on? Do they have a question before we shift the other direction? All right, go ahead, Doug. Um, the video ends at the dead shooting from the garage of bolts. Um, can you describe or explain the decision not to show anything afterward? What is protocol for securing somebody after that shooting and, and what was done with the handcuffs? A little more detail about the care that was so the video footage will will 
demonstrate um, uh, a sergeant asking who fired, officers who fired raised their hand and they were immediately sequestered. Other body camera footage would, will show uh, officers immediately going to Mr. Walker's aid to provide uh, life-saving aid. Uh, and then there's, then it's just managing the crime scene. At the conclusion of this press conference, we will be sending out, in compliance with our ordinance, all video footage um, that is mandated by the ordinance. That includes footage after the shooting. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure how far after it would be, um, but all of that is going to be open records and so whatever the ordinance provides. One last question. We actually have time for just one last question. Go ahead. So can you explain why the officers have not yet made a statement? It's been almost a week, and will they be doing this video? So I can. That's that. Again, we we are walled off from the criminal investigation. That is between BCI and the officers. The officers don't have to give a statement. Okay. Every every American is entitled to due process and. You know, they don't, just like everybody else, they do not have to give a statement. My understanding from the union president is that they are going to fully cooperate uh, with this investigation. Okay, that concludes the press conference. At this time, there will be no additional questions. I'm not going to lie, guys. After listening to all of that, it's become so apparent to me that this department, much like many other departments in the United States, goes above and beyond to protect their officers. I will say that I walked away from this press conference with more questions than answers. Some of my questions line up with what many others are asking as well. Questions such as, why do officers not have dash cam footage? When we watch the video, you can only see the police chase happening from the car of the officer. And that video only shows the angle of the police officer's car steering wheel. That's it. It doesn't even show the dashboard of the vehicle. So think about that for a second. If they claim that Jalen shot at them during the pursuit, why not have a dash cam footage to solidify your argument? I know that these departments are not hurting for money. The Akron Police Department in 2022, which is this year, had a budget of $65 million coming in from the American Rescue Plan Act. That budget does get shared with the Akron firefighters, but you're telling me that even if half of that budget is shared, there still isn't enough to afford dash cams? My next question comes after the officers shot at Jayland. The video ends right after these gunshots were fired, and they don't depict police officers' efforts to provide medical care, though police say they attempted first aid after the shooting. If this was the case, why not show that in the video? Why leave that part out? If you have nothing to hide and you claim that your officers provided medical care, why not show that to the public? It would help prove your case. Not only that, but it would also show to the public that your officers were not threatened by a 25-year-old black man. So that is still something that I continue to have questions about. I also wonder why the handcuffing situation was not addressed. I felt that this was a big portion of what got people out in the streets and protesting. Like, yes, the murder of an unarmed black man was enough for us to get out and protest. I'm not saying that it wasn't. 
It's just these officers handcuffed a man that they just shot up 60 plus times. Why wouldn't you bring that up in a conference, especially if it wasn't true? You'd want to denounce that, right? So by the department not mentioning it, kind of makes it a confirmed statement that's been going around. And I was hoping that one of the reporters would ask about that. But I believe that these reporters come into these hearings asking or actually maybe even being allowed to ask only one question. But again, if the officers say that they were in the right and they feel they didn't do anything wrong or that their use of force can be justified, share that with the public. Let them know so that they can get a sense of trust between the community members and our law enforcement. The last portion of the press hearing that I would like to talk about are those 13 officers, but more specifically, the eight officers that were actively shooting at Jalen on early Monday morning. In the video, or I guess I should really say videos, because they will be releasing all 13 body cams after this press conference. But in the video, you hear officers using very strong language to get Jalen out of the car. Then you'll see that all 13 officers were chasing this black man. So here is my thought. Why did all 13 officers run and chase Jalen? Like when he jumped out of the car, the car was still rolling, mind you. So not one officer thought to turn the car off. Not one officer bothered to look at the car really quickly. Because if at least one officer bothered to do so, they would have found Jalen's gun sitting in the driver's seat. Mind you, the police chief did confirm that at the time of the shooting, Jalen was unarmed. Instead, though, you have 13 officers running and chasing this man eight of which pull out their guns and start shooting Jalen. And they're shooting at him as if his body were some target practice and they were training. But who knows, maybe that is how they were trained. In the videos, you will see from many different angles an officer shooting a few shots, but then yelling on top of his lungs, cease fire multiple times. You'll also see his hands waving in the air trying to signal the other officers. If you can, I highly encourage you to watch all 13 videos. I know that there are a lot to take in, but if you can handle it, I highly encourage you to do so. The other seven officers continue to shoot though. That's when we immediately see all body cams turn off and the video just abruptly ends. I want to know and I want to hear, just like everyone else, what happened right after? What was the conversation between those cops and did they really provide medical care to Jalen? If you ask me personally, I don't believe that Jalen had a pulse after the officers were on a shooting spree. I think that if an officer did actually go up to Jalen to feel for a pulse, it was probably his own that the officer could feel outside of his own body. We all have those moments where we either stub our toe, our leg falls asleep, even if you have anxiety, or if you just recently went through an out-of-body experience. You feel your own pulse, in a sense, outside of your body. I even have these moments, especially when I have a headache. I can feel my own pulse in my head, like a constant rhythm. So... Did the officer actually feel a pulse? And did the officer actually provide medical care to Jalen? Also, will the medical examiner 
confirm that Jalen was handcuffed when he or she arrived on scene. Lastly, I want to conclude this episode by speaking on these officers that supposedly are giving their full cooperation. The police chief claims that as of Sunday, July 3rd at 1 p.m., those eight officers did not and have not given their statements. In fact, I believe he was alluding to the fact that they are most likely lawyered up by now. So, my question now becomes, if you claim that you used force with a reasoning and can justify it, why not put that down on a statement that says all of that? At the time of the press conference, it had been almost a week since Jalen had been murdered. Why have these eight officers waited to provide a statement? Shouldn't you give a statement when it's fresh in your mind? But you see, now that we have waited almost a week to give any details, can we trust what they say? Will their statements be true to what happened on that Monday morning? As of right now, the part that sucks the most is the waiting game. We have to allow the medical examiner and the investigators to do their work, and hopefully they can do it ethically correct and how they were trained. I also hope there's no interference that comes into play with the police department when going about this investigation. Well, listeners, that's all I have for this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I know that these conversations can be hard to hear, let alone talk about, so I appreciate you sticking it out with me. As for the Walker family, continue to keep them in your mind as they continue to navigate the world without someone they truly love. If you can, feel free to donate to the Walker Family Foundation that we have set up, which I will link below in this episode description box. It's going to help cover legal aid and just show them that we are here for them and that will continue to show up so that there can be justice for Jalen Walker. If you like what you heard in this episode, make sure you either subscribe or follow this podcast. That way, you don't have to go searching for it every time a new episode drops. Also, feel free to leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. Once again, my name is Sigarita, your host for Let's Be The Change podcast. Take care and talk soon.